0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: Good morning and welcome to inside the huddle we are doing our pregame show for the Indiana Western Kentucky matchup on Saturday our co-host TJ Inman will join us shortly uh, but we have a great show for you uh, filled with you know um, you know what uh, keeps the game a preview of the opponent's and we'll probably go around the um, around the conference again as conference play does open uh, in Piscataway this week. Uh, TJ, welcome. How are you today?
0: I'm doing great. It's a gorgeous day here in Indianapolis. Um, it has felt like football weather if, uh, if you go outside at night, though, and um, that's always kind of pleasant. As football season rolls around, it's good for it to kind of feel like fall, but uh, I use 2-0, and... Um, I'm really looking forward to this game on Saturday. It's going to be one that uh, we have talked about extensively as a key to IU non-conference. They've avoided uh, avoided a couple of landmines here early in the first two weeks, and this is going to be a major test.
1: Yeah, it sure will be. Uh, Western Kentucky comes in at 2-0, and their first time at 2-0, and Uh, Since 2005, they're receiving votes in both the AP and the coaches poll, Uh, so they're a quality team, but they are banged up. Uh, They lost uh, running back Leon Allen, who's by far their best runner, uh, out for the year with a knee injury. Uh, Jared Dangerfield, who I keep wanting to call Rodney, um, banged up, and uh, their star cornerback, uh, wonderful Terry, is – it looks like he's doubtful for the game, uh, according to quotes from uh, Jeff Brom on uh, earlier in the week.
0: Yeah, so
1: Indiana, I
0: think yeah. – Go ahead. Uh, well, I, I, I never want to – obviously, you know, Leon Allen's injury was, was pretty gruesome. Um, that's not something that anybody that has a heart is going to be – Happy about, but strictly from an on the field standpoint, it's going to be much, uh, much easier to come up with the game plan to defend these guys without Leon Allen on the field. Uh, a very good running back, a capable receiver that can really make you pay when he gets the ball in space, um, screen passes, or little slip plays. Um, they used him really, really well a season ago and he was off to a really good start uh, against Louisiana Tech, already at 100 yards for the game before he he was um, done with that injury. So um, missing him is going to be huge. Uh, Not having wonderful Terry is not going to be great for them. Uh, They do have a little bit of depth at running back, um, but they're they're fairly thin there. They do not have a lot of answers there. Um, the main guy that's going to be getting the ball for them is DeAndre Furby. He is a uh, redshirt freshman that is a big guy. He's listed at 240, and he looks that. Um, definitely more of a just straight-up in-between-the-tackles back. He... Should not, I, I won't say he won't because, you know, anything can happen, but he shouldn't break a lot of big plays on IU. Um, you know, he's going to be kind of tough to stop in short yardage situations, but if you watch them against Louisiana Tech, their running game really, really took a big hit when Leon Allen went out. Um, DeAndre Furby averaged less than three yards to carry in that game. Uh, other than him, they have Anthony Davis, who's a former Hoosier, uh, transferred to Western Kentucky after his eligibility was done at IU. Um, never really made an impact on the field, he's a member of the Scout team. Kevin Wilson has said uh has said that Anthony Davis would be a part of the rotation if he were still at IU. I don't know about that. I you know, we'll take his word for it, but uh he was never a part of the rotation when he was here, so Take that for what you will. Um, and then a, a junior named DeMontre War that I, I don't know anything about, but um, the Leon Allen injury is, is really huge. Danger field, um, I'm expecting him to play, but we don't know. And uh, wonderful Terry not being in there should make things a little bit easier for Ricky Jones, who I, I would guess is who Terry would have been covering.
1: Yeah, the wonderful Terry, their defense isn't as strong um as they would like uh, and wonder, wonderful Terry is uh one of their better players so it it'll be uh it, it'll definitely be uh, a a challenge for IU uh, defensively also on special teams they have a great uh return game uh brandon towner uh was awesome against uh louisiana tech uh, i'm not sure exactly how many uh yards he had but he did uh he did win conference usa special t- Teams of the uh, Player of the Week. Actually, Western Kentucky swept the Players of the Week categories for Conference USA. Um, so that's how good they are. Um, but Towner had a, uh, believe a punt return for a touchdown uh, and a couple long kickoff returns. And it's a, it's, you know, I use kick coverage was better last week, uh, but they'll be tested this week for sure. Uh, going through some of the statistics, Brandon Doughty's completing nearly seventy percent of his passes uh he is averaging 9.56 yards per attempt which is very good and he has a quarterback rating of uh 159.1 so he's the real deal if you've seen him play he throws a great ball um and he's very fun to watch um as long as maybe he's not playing uh your game right now uh their leading receiver is Tyler Higby. uh he's a tight end i believe and he has 11 catches uh you know, 11 catches for 190 yards and uh, a long of 65 uh, with the touchdown. So, another – this is the third straight game where the IU will be facing a uh, a big, uh, you know, tight end. They shut down Johnny Smith last week, um, five catches for 25 yards. So, you know, they'll have their uh, work cut out with Tyler Higby.
0: Yeah, I think that uh, going up against the tight end um, – is a bit of a concern just because I'm kinda of reminded of uh Higby looks a lot like I think it's Adam, is that right? Adam Cunet from uh SIU. Um yeah. he had uh he had a really good game against IU, uh, kinda of gassed defense quite a few times. But, you know, IU did look not great, but they looked improved on defense in week two uh, and one of the important things that I'm going to be watching for is uh, the return of gray scales, um, you know, how he fits in to the linebacker rotation. It seems that uh, he is definitely going to play there. I don't, has there been absolute confirmation on that, or, or is that just what we're assuming?
1: Um, they said he's back. He's listed as the number two behind Oliver. Um, okay. we, I, I think it's safe to assume he's back. It's not safe to assume that Dutra is back um even though he's listed as a starter uh he was listed as a starter last week um and, and it just you know people get all crazy about depth charts uh with Wilson it's you know who knows um you know you'll see at game time uh, i'll be I'll be down on the field uh warm ups looking for people who are dressed um but yeah, Dutra was listed as a starter last week, I did not dress. Uh, This week listed as a starter, so who knows? Wilson said he was close uh, at the press conference on Monday. they will also be without the services of Don Booth for a while. Uh, He's out with an undisclosed injury. Uh, Wilson said he's out. He's not able to go. It's nothing major, and by major he means it does not require surgery. Uh, So, you know, maybe Don Booth takes a red shirt this year um, that he didn't get to take last year, uh, but hopefully he gets back soon um so get on the injury front that's that uh expect Gray scales back um he might not start he might be like fant last week where he comes in later in the game and makes an impact just because he hasn't played the first two games and he's trying to earn his uh way back on uh so tj we're going to move on to to keys to victory for iu um what is your first key to victory
0: well, I touched on it a little bit. It's uh, how is Western Kentucky going to adjust to the loss of Leon Allen. Uh, this is a guy that after the Louisiana Tech game, when he was asked about uh, – when their head coach, Jeff Brom, was asked about how they would uh, deal with that loss, they didn't know exactly how long he's going to be out at that time, but I think everyone assumed just by looking at it that it was a long-term injury. Um, he said that if you asked everyone – in the football staff and in that on that team who their most uh important player on offense was that it would be Leon Allen. Um yeah, you know, he just does a lot for them. He's a good blocker, uh he's a capable receiver, a very, very talented running back that is just really efficient at, at picking up yards. Um so they're they're going to definitely miss him. So my question is, how are they going to adjust to it? from a game plan situation. Does that mean that they are going to put even more of a burden on Brandon Dowdy? Um, are we going to see him throw the ball, you know, 60 times? I don't. That's definitely not what they would like to do, um, but they might be forced into that if their running game is totally ineffective. Or are we going to see kind of a, a running back by committee where you see DeAndre Furby uh, as kind of a – Uh, pound up the middle back and use Anthony Davis who had a 28 yard run against Louisiana Tech he only had two carries but uh, he did have one of them for 28 yards are we going to see him use this kind of a change of pace guy Uh, are they going to get creative and use um, you know maybe use some tight ends I know they have some depth at tight end you can use some of them in unique situations. I, I don't know. And that's something that uh, the IU coaching staff isn't going to know either. So planning for the different wrinkles that are going to be thrown in with the loss of Allen uh, is going to be an interesting thing to watch.
1: Yeah, it definitely will be. And
0: and I go back and forth.
1: I think that you know, Indiana was decent against the run uh, against FIU, actually very good against the run. Um, I said decent yeah. because they were not good against the run against uh, Southern Illinois, Uh but that offensive line isn't uh, great for Western Kentucky and maybe it plays into their favor to throw the ball a little bit more, uh, some, some quick patterns. And uh, we saw that work uh, for FIU. Uh, Anyway, my first key to the game is uh, it's going to be again, a a running game question. It's IU has to establish Jordan Howard. Uh, This is, you know, I don't, as much as fans and people want it to be a shootout and lots of points are going to be scored, I think that's exactly what IU doesn't want to do. Uh, Western Kentucky is a lot more explosive than IU right now. Although IU can put up points, they don't. They've had uh, one long touchdown play as that uh, passed to Ricky Jones. Other than that, it's all been methodical drives that eat up time and clock. Um, so establishing Howard, running the clock down, just grinding down this Western Kentucky defense and giving your defense a chance to catch their breath, get coached up on the sideline, um, is gonna be huge.
0: Yes, yeah, along those lines, uh, you know, Western Kentucky surrendered two hundred and twenty three rushing yards with a seven point two yards per carry average to Louisiana Tech. Uh they gave up one hundred and sixty eight yards on the ground to Vanderbilt. So this is a running defense for Western Kentucky that can absolutely be had. And I think that kind of a, it's not often under Kevin Wilson that I think of IU wanting to kind of grind an opponent down, control the clock, shorten the game. It's not often that IU has that game plan, but I do think that that's the best way to go about this. Uh, It's often said, you know, the best defense is, is a ball control, good offense. Well, Yeah, I mean, Brandon Dowdy can't hurt you if he's on the bench. So I think that that's the absolute best way to go about this. Ball out of Western Kentucky's hands either. IU has a very good running game. I think that that's probably when their offense is at the best right now, is when they're giving the ball to Jordan Howard and then using the success you get there to run some play action, maybe to the tight end through the seam. We saw that a couple times. Or kind of some play action rollouts where you get Sutfeld rolling uh, to the right and find the tight end open. We've seen that play work a few times. Or maybe an occasional deep ball to Ricky Jones or Simi Cobbs. Cobbs had a couple of nice uh, nice deep ball catches, and like you said, Jones had that one. Um, so I, I don't think it's just a, oh, let's keep the ball out of Western Kentucky's hands. I think they want to do that. Plus, you know, this is a very good running game and a Western Kentucky defense that appears to be susceptible to that. Um, so I, I think that that's absolutely a key thing is to establish Howard uh, and Divine Redding as well, but especially Jordan Howard and, and grind out this uh, Western Kentucky defense and keep their offense on the bench.
1: Right. TJ, uh, we're going on to the second key to the game. Uh, my second key to the game is going to be forcing turnovers on defense. Um, very generic. IU is I think plus four now in the turnover department. They, uh, they force two, they, Force two against Southern Illinois, three last week, including a pick six against FIU. Um, getting more possessions against this Western Kentucky defense and getting your defense off the field—it's it, 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 only going to help. Um, so if uh, Indiana could get pressure on Dowdy and force him into some bad throws or have some more strip sacks like last week. Uh this defense, you know, maybe IU uh, gets the ball back and, and puts up more points and, and starts to run away with this thing.
0: Um, you know, last week was it was very pleasant to see the IU defense making big plays. Um and you know, it wasn't just a big play where, oh hey, look at that, they got a tackle for a loss. And they got some of those, but they were actually legitimate big big game changing plays, uh, like Forcing a fumble on a sack and recovering it deep in, in opposing territory, which led to the Mitchell Page touchdown. Uh, obviously, the pick six was the turning point of the, of the game, and that, that was a huge play, forced by quarterback pressure from Oliver. Uh, and then, a you know, just good instinctual play by Jamil Cook and good speed to turn it into six points.
1: Um, yeah, it, yeah, yeah, speaking I off that, of points off of turnovers, they scored 20 points. Should have been twenty-one, but they missed the extra point, so they are yeah. cashing
0: in those opportunities for touchdowns. Right. Yeah. That that's a, a key thing. If you're not turning the points into touchdowns or the uh, turnovers into points, then you know you're you're really wasting those plays. Um, it's a good thing to prevent the other team from having the scoring opportunity, but you really want to turn those into points as well. And so far, IU's doing a good job of that. They're doing a good job of taking care of the ball on offense. Um, I think Sudfeld would be a little bit more careful with, with some of his passes, but for the most part, I used to do a good job of taking care of the ball and doing a good enough job last week of creating negative plays for the opposing offense. And um, yeah, that's something generating quarterback pressure is going to be key because if, if they let Brandon Dowdy sit back there and uh, have a protected pocket consistently, He's he's too good. He's going to pick you apart, even if you have a good secondary, which we don't know if IU has or not. Uh, they have a young one. We know that. We don't know if they're good. At this point, I think that you would say they are not. Um, but but they could be with with some time. I think that they, they will definitely develop into that. But right now, if Brandon Dowdy just is able to sit back there in a protected pocket, uh, which he was against Louisiana Tech, He's going to just absolutely rip you apart. Uh, he could shred you for 500 yards if if he's given the time to do so. Vanderbilt was yeah, able just to... to...
1: put a put a disclaimer on that, um, if he had protection against any team in the country, he'd put up 500 yards. He's just that good. Um, right. It's not right. a knock on the IU defense. Um, I, I just wanted to make that clear. That, that's how good Brandon Dowdy is. And you saw it. You're right. You're alluding to the the Vanderbilt game there, where they got some pressure.
0: Yes. Yeah. Vanderbilt was able to get some pressure. They sacked him five times. Uh, they were in his face a lot more than that, forcing him to make some inaccurate throws and throws earlier than he wanted to. Uh, they had some drops early in that game that cost them as well, and that might have been a result of some of the pressure, forcing those early throws, and the receivers weren't quite ready for it. So, I think the getting pressure. Uh, and I did want to ask you, what do you think the the linebacker rotation is going to look like? I know that, you know, I'm not talking about who starts or anything like that, but what do you think linebacker rotation-wise we're going to see the most of? Uh, I imagine that Marcus Oliver is going to continue to get playing time, even with Tigre Scales' return, because he's been really, really good. Uh, you know, the coaching staff said that, yeah, they could absolutely see the field at the same time. Uh, scales and Oliver—that is. So, what do you think the linebacker rotation that they're going to use most often is? I mean, it, it
1: really depends how the game is going. Um, I, I, you know, if you want speed, Oliver having Oliver and Scales on the field at the same time is going to be huge. It really depends on how much pressure those front three and TJ Simmons could put on um, on, on Doughty and how Zach Shaw is playing a bandit. If you need more speed, uh, you're probably going to go with scales and Oliver, uh, and, and maybe even, uh, you, you might even put Damian, Damian Willis in if you don't have enough speed with, uh, TJ Simmons. So I, I think it really depends on the front three, uh, Zach Shaw, and, and really how much speed you need. Um, it might be a wet track on, on Saturday, so that might slow, slow things down, uh, but you're going to see a lot of people play. This, their Western Kentucky's probably going to run a lot of plays. Uh, if IU doesn't establish a run and, and eat some clock, they there might be a hundred plays run by Western Kentucky. So you're going to need everybody. It's all hands on deck. Um, and and I think you're going to see a lot of different
0: combinations that we probably haven't seen in the past yet. The what I'm the combination I'm most intrigued to see. Uh, would be Zach Shaw at Bandit and then Simmons, Oliver and Scales. I think that that's their uh, if you're just talking about getting the best four on the field, I think that that's who it is. Uh, obviously, we haven't seen Scales yet this season, but all indications were um, that he just continued to improve as a player throughout the offseason and, and he was really good last year. So um, looking forward to having him back and it couldn't come at a better time. That's um, he seems to be suited to defend this type of offense, and uh, yes, and that the tight end.
1: Yes, yeah, and the tight end. He, yeah, he did have three picks last year, so he has good ball skills, and and he's something that they were missing against uh, the tight end at Southern Illinois uh, and a similar tight end uh, with Western Kentucky, who's also six foot six. Um, so, uh, T.J., uh, what's your second? Second key to the game, I guess, we haven't touched upon it yet.
0: Yeah, we kind of did. Uh, We talked about IU's defense. Uh, Mine was just can they continue to improve because we saw improvement from week one to week two, uh, which, to be clear, was partially aided by the return of some players, Um, particularly Ralph Green and Darius Latham, who came back. We talked about this on the recap show and in all of our articles, really. Two guys made – on the defensive line, getting penetration into the offensive backfield. Uh, and that goes along with what you were talking about, what I was talking about a little bit earlier, pressuring the quarterback. Uh, those guys are going to be a part of that, and I think that that played a big part, and use defense getting better. If you can get pressure into the backfield, create some negative plays, get some sacks or some tackles for losses on running plays, that throws the offense off schedule and just makes a huge difference. If they are constantly getting you know, five, six, seven yards on first down, you're going to have a really hard time getting them off the field, and eventually they're probably going to break a big play on you and score. Um, if you're able to get them behind the schedule, force a second and long or a third and long, your chances of forcing a punt or forcing a negative play just go up exponentially, so Uh, The question for me is can this defense, which is really, really young, really inexperienced, especially in the secondary, can they continue to improve after probably having their confidence uh, rocked quite a bit in week one, built back up some in week number two. So, you know, this is just a matter of taking another step. And what does that mean? What would that look like statistically? I don't really know because this is such a high-powered offense. Um, I don't really want to put a number on it to say, well, if they hold them to 500 yards of offense, it would be an okay day or anything like that. I think it's if this defense can make enough plays to contribute to IU winning a football game against Western Kentucky, I will take that as a positive.
1: Yeah, I think it'll be a you'll know it when you see it type of deal. Um, You know a bad defense when you see a bad defense. Uh, You know a good defense when you see a good defense. So it'll come down to how you watch the game. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and go with my third key to the game. Uh, And I have a fourth uh, if we need to get to it, uh, which we should. Uh, It's uh, improving red zone efficiency. Last week, IU made five red zone trips. Uh, settled for two field goals Uh, against an offense like Western Kentucky that's just not going to cut it you're going to have to punch it in uh, seven points uh, you know at least 80 percent of the time if not more so uh, you know IU last week moved the ball very well uh, against uh, you know in between the 20s and then just got bogged down a little bit with play calling uh, and some penalties uh, in the red zone so they've got to clean that up and, and get seven points instead
0: of three. Yep, I 100% agree. I extend that out to about the 35-yard line. Anytime you get into that area, it's a scoring opportunity. I know that uh, some statistical models even talk about once you cross into opposing territory, So once you get across the 50-yard line, it's considered a scoring chance. Um, and then you take the number of plays that they had in those scoring chances divided by the number of points they got, and you get – points per scoring chance, which is an interesting stat. Um, and IU just wasn't good enough there last week. Uh, they have to do a better job, especially against the high-powered offense where you're going to need every point you can get. Um, you just can't get inside of those scoring opportunities and come up empty-handed or come up with only three points instead of a touchdown. Um, so yeah, that red zone efficiency, and I'd like to see um, a little bit more. Uh, I, I don't. I don't want to say a little bit better play calling because um, it's easy to say that when the plays don't work out. Oh, this is a bad play call. Um, but I would like to see a little bit more creative play calling in the red zone. Um, I'd like to see a little bit more use of the tight end in the red zone. I think that. They've talked a lot about how talented the tight ends are, how much they like them, and I, I agree, they are good. Michael uh, Anthony Corazza is good. You know, they've got really good tight ends, and I'd like to see those guys utilized in the red zone. It's been a long time since we've seen a tight end have even a, a red zone target that I can remember. So, um, I'd love to see those guys get some more opportunities because um, their size could and should be a good target in the red zone or even semi Cobb's uh being a target in the red zone and then you know jordan howard should be a good red zone weapon because he's so efficient at, at getting uh getting yardage and not getting negative plays and pounding the ball through the middle so I, this should be a good red zone offense on paper uh so far it hasn't come out that way
1: yeah definitely um the, I mean, they they score points, which is fine, but they need to, and they're improved over last year's red zone uh, offense yeah. just because Nate Sudfeld's back and um, and all of that. But yeah, they need to start uh, getting those uh, touchdowns or getting those, uh, changing those field goals into touchdowns. Uh, anyway, my final key to the game, um, I think we'll both agree on it, is stopping Brandon Towner. Uh, Towner was awesome, or sorry, not Brandon Towner, it's uh, Kylan Towner um he's a a, a small fast wide receiver uh sophomore he had an awesome game against uh, um against uh Louisiana Tech and yeah yeah and so man he if i wouldn't kick to him uh, like you said in your uh preview going around the Big 10 i would not kick to to Towner, and I would not kick to uh, William Likely, uh, which is where Griffin Oaks comes in handy. He's bombed a few kickoffs out of the end zone. Uh, but uh, Eric is going to have have his work cut out for him. He's got to put that ball, uh, cough and corner it a little bit, and if you have to kick it out of bounds you know, for a net kick of, of 30 yards, man, do it, because this guy's going to take one to the house if you
0: let him. Yeah, the keys to that on the punting, well, on the kickoffs, obviously, Griffin Oaks is going to be important to um, just – I would tell him, you know, put that ball out of the end zone. Worst-case scenario, it goes out of play, and they start the ball with an illegal procedure penalty. Um, I would not give Towner the opportunity to hurt you with a huge game-changing return. Um and then on punting, you're right, Eric Toast is going to have to do a, a good job of directional punting, uh, and he's going to have to do a good job of, uh, of getting some hang time on those kicks to allow the coverage team to get down there and force counter to think about taking a fair catch. He's, he's going to try to take every opportunity he can to get a big return. Um, so if they can, if Eric Toast can get some hang time on the punts to allow the coverage team to get down there, uh, and force him to at least think about a fair catch, that would be a, an accomplishment. But I think that uh, having a special team's coverage performance like what they had against FIU uh, would, would go a long way towards helping the Hoosiers on Saturday. They were good uh, against FIU, and I, I hope to see the same type of performance this coming Saturday.
1: Yeah, Towner led the the team uh last week in all-purpose yards with 169 he had 132 uh 98 of those coming on on a uh kickoff return for a touchdown um so yeah he's going to be a game changer on special teams uh that's going to do it for our uh coverage of IU Western Kentucky right now we're going to take a uh a trip around the Big 10 uh conference play opens up at Rutgers this week uh where there is you know it's a disaster uh, in progress another guy uh from Rutgers got arrested yesterday and it came out that lorante carew was uh pushed a female down to the ground or, or slammed her down to the ground and uh apparently injured her hip and and the, her hands and and, so, and other body parts uh but uh it's a disaster down at uh at Rutgers. but we're going to start out uh uh, with uh, Illinois at uh, North Carolina. It's noon on ESPN2. Uh, Illinois fired their coach a week before the season but have looked dominant in a, a 2-0 start. Their level of competition might not have been great, but they have outscored opponents uh, 96-3, to and this will be a good road test uh, for Illinois against North Carolina.
0: Yes, I am very, very surprised by what Illinois has done so far. Like you said, West Illinois and Kent State, they're very bad teams. But, I mean, still, you, you outscore opponents 96-3, to 3, that's uh, that's amazing. Um, they have really shut down their opponents uh, on offense. Um, defensively, these guys have, I think it's, they've given up 17 first downs total so far. Um, you know, West Lunt is a very good quarterback if he stays healthy and right now he's healthy geronimo allison has stepped up he's proving to be a good number one target since mike dudek is injured and josh ferguson is just a really good all-around running back um right now speaking of the the red zone opportunities we talked about earlier far they are 100 percent on their red zone scoring chances so they are they're doing the the things that add up to winning football they're they're not Allowing any sacks. They're converting on third down. Uh, North Carolina, they've got a quarterback that's a dual threat guy, Marquise Williams, but he does make some mistakes. He did that multiple times against South Carolina in week one, which is why they lost. He had two interceptions that he threw in the end zone. So, um, you know, North Carolina is favored in this one by double digits, which I, I'm kind of surprised by based on the play of the teams thus far. I imagine the overall talent level for North Carolina is higher, and it's it's in Chapel Hill. But um, I think this is going to be a really interesting game. We're going to find out if Illinois is for real or not.
1: Definitely. I, I still would take North Carolina. I don't know. Um, you know, I just don't know what Illinois is going to do on the road. I don't know. I don't know if Kent State was good. I don't know if Western Illinois was good um, or even decent. Uh, but we're going to move on uh, to another Big uh, Big Ten team. Uh, South Carolina – or South Carolina. Uh, South Florida Bulls are traveling to Maryland uh, to take on the Terrapins at noon. Maryland uh, got blasted by Bowling Green uh, last week, 48-27. Uh, it looks like they gave up 42 second-half points there. Uh, lost at home. Bowling Green, uh, man, was really impressive, and, and Maryland's going to try and and come back and recover from that uh South Florida's one and one uh they hung tough with uh, at Florida State last week uh before being uh destroyed by Dalvin Cook, who had two hundred and sixty six yards and three touchdowns. uh, what are your thoughts on that game p j
0: well yeah, i mean dalvin cook uh he was phenomenal against South Florida. The good news is for them is that Maryland doesn't have Dalvin cook or anybody close to dalvin cook um their running game is is that they think that it was going to be pretty good but thus far it, it has not really lived up to that and their secondary i mean my goodness uh sean davis in particular in single coverage against roger lewis uh he might have tried to file a lawsuit or something because i uh, uh, roger lewis just abused him over and over again it was really ugly um matt johnson is an incredible quarterback and i I hesitate to say that Maryland is going to be terrible on defense all year just because Bowling Green is going to do that to a lot of people. Um, you know, they, they put up 30 points on Tennessee and could have put up a few more. They they had some mistakes that cost them some points. Uh, overall, I I don't know if South Florida is any good. They hung around with Florida State, but their offense really does kind of struggle. Um They've got a dual-threat quarterback as well. Uh, from Maryland, I, the only thing I don't understand, and we talked about this just now with Towner, there's no reason for teams to, cook to, or to kick the ball to William Likely. Um, he almost changed the game against Bowling Green and saved Maryland, but their defense and Bowling Green's offense was just too much. They had 692 yards, but... Um, William likely continues to change games as a punt returner and a kick returner. There's no reason for people to kick to him. Um, and I really wish that teams would figure that out because uh, it's the only thing the Maryland offense has going for it right now. they switched quarterbacks. Uh, Caleb Rowe is going to start this week. It's going to be an interesting game that Maryland really needs to win because the fan base is not at all pleased with offensive coordinator Mike Loxley. They're not happy with Randy Edsel, even though recruiting is going well. Uh, the on-field product continues to be kind of underwhelming. So, uh, And they go to Virginia next week, so they've they've got a tough non-conference slate. Um, it's going to be a, yeah. an interesting game. Definitely.
1: Um, next, we're going to move on to one of the games that probably is going to be less competitive, uh, UNLV at Michigan. Uh, UNLV is not a good football team, and traveling to Michigan, uh, From that time zone, it's never a good thing. Uh, Michigan's fired up. They won last week, and I I predict this game's going to get out of hand uh, pretty quickly.
0: Yep. Yeah, this will not be very competitive. Um, The impressive thing to point out here, uh, and this is in my my viewing guide thing, um, Michigan's defense gave up a 78-yard touchdown drive to Oregon State after that. Uh, Oregon State totaled 60 yards for the rest of the game. Um, yeah, that, that's they're not a good team, but still. That's a major conference team uh, that's in a major conference, Pac-12, that typically has good offenses. And 60 yards over the final three quarters, uh, that's really, really impressive for Michigan's defense. Uh, we're, we've still yet to see much from... The passing game that you'd be excited about, but uh, their running game did get going last week. Devion Smith had a good week. Um, you know, they, that's how they want to play: dominant defense, ball control, offense. That's how Jim Harbaugh wants to play. And last week was kind of the start of the blueprint you saw. And um, for a game that was pretty out of hand, that was a very very loud atmosphere at the Big House. Those people are absolutely fired up for Harbaugh, and uh, I. It's going to be tough to win at Michigan this year, no matter what kind of team Michigan has.
1: Exactly, um, you know that's home field advantage in college football for you. Anyway, moving on, we'll stay in the Mitten State. It's Air Force against Michigan State. Uh, this might be a classic letdown game for uh, Michigan State, but I don't think D'Antonio lets that happen. Uh, both teams are two and O. Oh. Uh, Going into that, uh, Michigan State knocked off Oregon 31-28 last week. Unfortunately, I didn't get to see any of that game. Uh, Missed a good one. Uh, But it looks like, you know, they're getting a a top vote in the country. uh, And basically, the Big Ten swept that category uh, between them and Ohio State. Um, So what are your thoughts on Air Force and Michigan State?
0: Air Force, uh, they struggled last week to put away San Jose State, was a – you know, they're decent, but nothing to write home about. So they pulled away at the fourth quarter. Um, but Air Force does run the triple option. It's a tough offense to prepare for. Uh, the Michigan State staff said that they were preparing for it during the summer, um, you know, a little bit every week in practice. Uh, they ran the ball last week for 428 yards. They do hold the ball for quite a bit. They put an emphasis on time of possession. Um, I don't think that they have a defense that can slow down Michigan State enough. Um, you know, the Spartans were were pretty impressive against Oregon, obviously. To to knock off a team in a program like Oregon is very impressive. Uh, the Ducks could have won that game if a couple of things had gone differently, mainly a pass uh, down the sideline that was just out of the grasp of a wide receiver that Vernon Adams floated a little bit too much could have put Oregon ahead very late in the fourth quarter, but um, a win's a win, and they are they are 2-0, and there is a plausible scenario where the Big Ten gets two teams into the college football playoff, which is um, pretty interesting for as much as the conference gets trashed nationally uh, if they were to get two teams into the college football playoff, but there's a long way to go before we start thinking about that. Yeah, definitely.
1: Uh, next, we move on to uh, Kent State at Minnesota. Minnesota coming off an exciting big win at Colorado State um, in Fort Collins. So they're 1-1. One one. Kent State uh, won last week to even their record at 1-1. One one. Uh, but the last time they played a Big Ten team, they got uh, smoked 52-3 at um, at Illinois. Uh, Minnesota's offense is not great, but they, they should be
0: able to put up some points, and their defense is, is pretty legit. Yes, Minnesota's defense is really good. Their offense currently very, very banged up. Uh, They've got three rotation wide receivers, including two starters that are out with injury. Uh, They've got three tight ends that are injured. Two of them are done for the season. So their offense, which was not great to begin with, particularly the passing offense, uh, they've they've got some issues there. But Kent State, this stat courtesy of Alan Moth, a Kent State uh, writer, uh, Kent State has been outscored 268 to six in their last six Big Ten or games against Big Ten schools, 268 to six. So I don't think there's much. that how you win football game. No, no, it is not.
1: Uh, uh, yeah, so it's tough to win when you're getting outscored by that much. Um, anyway, we're going to move on uh, to the library bowl. How about this? Northwestern at Duke. Both teams two and zero. All kidding aside, this is might be the best game of uh of the evening or of the afternoon uh in the Big 10. Um both teams are resurgent. Uh, Northwestern is now ranked 23rd. Uh Duke who's been to I think three straight bowl games now uh is you know is pretty legit. They're a good team. Uh they're you know they knocked off Tulane at Tulane um and I think it was it was the North Carolina A&T uh or some team like that last week. Um, or North Carolina Central, um, but it, it'll be a good test for both teams to see exactly where they stand. And it's two similar programs. It's something that Pat Fitzgerald has wanted to uh, has wanted to do down the uh, along the road was play teams similar to Northwestern. Uh, they played uh, Stanford earlier in the year. Um, they played Duke a couple years ago, I believe, at Northwestern. Uh, but now yeah. they travel to Durham. Uh, so this game's on ESPN three. Uh so you can watch it on watch ESPN.
0: Yes, this like you said, this should be one of the better games of the afternoon. Uh very intriguing. I you know, Duke has turned into a stable program because David Cutcliffe is apparently a wizard. Um he has turned Duke into a really really solid team that just now expects to win seven or eight games a year. I I'm not entirely sure how that's happened, but recruited well and he is a really really bright offensive mind uh their offense currently averaging almost 600 yards a game 46 points a game Tulane I know that the name doesn't sound like much but that's not a terrible team and they went to their place where they opened up a new stadium and ruined that uh, inaugural game there by dominating them and then last week North Carolina Central but that doesn't mean anything but this Northwestern defense, really, really good. I think the question mark for Northwestern is, can Clayton Thorson, his first road start, uh, can he do enough? Because I think they are going to have to produce some on offense, which they haven't been required to do yet because the defense has locked down the opposition. I think Duke is going to score some points. It's the best offense Northwestern's played, and this is the best defense that Duke will have played. Something's got to give there.
1: Yep. And we'll move on to something. If we took our time machine back to the early 90s, this would be the game of the week on um, <laughs> on TV. Nebraska at Miami, uh, but it's not the early 90s. It's the mid-2010s. And both teams are kind of stuck in the mud a little bit. Uh, Miami uh, hasn't gone back to elite status uh, since the early 2000s. Uh, Nebraska... You know, fired a coach for winning nine games a year, uh, but then you know we'll see. They might be stuck at that nine-win level uh, for eternity. Uh, but they they won last week, coming off a heartbreaking loss to BYU. Um, and w- what are your thoughts on this game?
0: Yeah, I, I kind of wrote the same thing in my viewing guide about this being the game of the week in the early nineties. Um, you know, a lot of people making jokes on Twitter and. Um, being pretty sarcastic about it, I'm, I'm not going to go there because I'm not that clever um, to make anything that funny. But I, I think that at least Nebraska is still quite re- relevant. Um, you know, Miami Al Golden is under quite a bit of heat. I think a lot of people have written that it's pretty much beta complete that he's going to be let go at the end of the year unless they perform some type of miracle and win you know 10 or 11 games. I don't know if that's true, but uh to say that his tenure there has been a little underwhelming would be accurate I think. Um they've been just okay and for a program that has the tradition they do and has the amount of talent around them that they do, that's really not good enough. But I don't think it helps that Florida State, their, you know, in state neighbor has won a national title within that time frame. So this is an important home game for Al Golden. They they need to he needs every win he can get. And for Nebraska, I think that uh, it's an important game for Mike Riley—a chance, a second chance, really—to show um, under him that they can win win big games. And, and I think that while it's not a matchup between two elite teams or two even elite programs anymore, this is still a, a cool game, and I'm glad they're playing it. Yeah, and, and you know what
1: else? It is um, an underrated part of this game is Nebraska gets to travel to Florida. Look at those recruits down there. Have those recruits look at that program uh, because it is a uh, schlep and a half to get to Nebraska um, from Miami. Um, There's no direct flight. So it is a a big recruiting weekend probably for Nebraska down there. Next we move to the number one team in the nation taking on Northern Illinois at home. Uh, Brett Bielema probably does not have any words anymore for Ohio State's schedule. Uh, It should be a good matchup uh northern illinois is a solid mac team, and uh Ohio State struggled a little bit with uh it struggled a little bit they won thirty eight nothing um <laughs> but uh they the, you know it was uh against Hawaii Cardell Jones didn't look as sharp um and he might be in uh jeopardy of losing that job, but he will still uh start i believe uh so we'll see what happens the, the most intriguing thing is uh you know who's gonna end up playing quarterback there again.
0: Yeah, you said it correctly. Cardell Jones is going to be the starter. Urban Meyer said Jones is starting and JT Barrett will be, quote, ready to go. Um, I, I think that we will see both quarterbacks again. Northern Illinois, typically a really strong team. I think they are a bit down this year. Um, you know, they they struggled a bit uh, with UNLV, who is one of the worst FBS teams uh, in the country. So they struggled with them in their opener. I don't expect the Huskies to give them any kind of a challenge, but uh, definitely the intriguing thing is to see how the quarterback, and it's not even a, a problem really because both guys are very capable of winning against whoever they play. Uh, but, you know, I do think it's intriguing to see which guy steps forward and maybe, one of them at some point is going to have a lights-out game and take a stranglehold on that job, I think. I'm just not sure who it's going to be. Yeah,
1: and, and any time you say you struggled in a 38 nothing win, um, I get the uh, Hawaii team that, that's decent. And they're not terrible, but yep. they're they're okay. Um, so you first have a good team. First world problems. Next. Yeah, first world problems. <laughs> um, anyway, we're moving on uh, to Virginia Tech at Purdue. Games at 3:30 on ESPN. U, whoever scheduled this uh, non-conference, you know, non-conference slate for Purdue, uh, does not know how to run an athletic department. Does not know how to help his coach out. Uh, Purdue is much more improved than they were last year, and they might get out of this. I mean, they might get out of this non-conference schedule at one and three, and uh, really struggle in the Big Ten. Then, but they are much improved. Uh, it should be a good crowd at Purdue. Uh, uh, Virginia Tech coming in—they're not the strongest team. This isn't the you know Virginia Tech of those late '90s with Michael Vick. Um, you know they lost their starting quarterback, uh, and, and so we'll see. Anything can happen. Uh, Purdue's much improved, and it should be a good
0: crowd at Ross Eight. Yeah, I had no idea what type of crowd's going to show up. They've had really huge attendance problems. Um, which is understandable. As, as bad as they've been, that's a problem that we're well aware of. But, uh, as IU fans, it's a struggle for attendance. Purdue has kind of been in the same same struggle that IU has for the last uh, last while, and they were worse than IU in attendance last season, I believe. Um, but, yeah, Michael Brewer's out. Uh, last week, the start went to Brandon Motley. He was 16 of 24, had two 233 yards, ran for another 38. They have a true freshman that the fans are pretty high on named Dwayne Lawson that threw for 51 yards and ran for another 51. They burned his red shirt, uh, which was a bit surprising, I guess. Um, I think that Motley's going to start again. I would expect to see Lawson as well. The strength of Virginia Tech is that defense, and Austin Appleby's going to have to take care of the ball like he did in week two against Indiana State, not like he did in week one against Marshall, uh, where he turned it over four times. So if I, I think that if Appleby takes care of the ball, Purdue has a real good shot to win this one. I like their running game. I like some of their options of wide receiver. Um, if they Appleby has the same turnover problems that we've seen him have against good defenses in the past then uh, I would expect Purdue to, to drop this one to one and two, and they've got Bowling Green coming in next week, which um, we know and Maryland knows is certainly nothing to take for granted. So that's uh, a big game for Daryl Hazel. It's a big stretch of two games for him before they get into conference play. I think he needs to win one of them. Yeah, going, you
1: know, to make them two and two, uh, which would be a, a quite a feat uh, for this non-conference slate. And, and I hope Purdue – has a good crowd because um, that's a, a football tradition rich school, and it's kind yeah. of see, sad to see the the death of the the fan base over there. As much as you know, as as an IU grad, uh, as much as Purdue's our rival, um, I, I want them to their football team to succeed uh, to a limited amount. Uh, but it, it'd be nice to
0: see a good atmosphere up there. Uh, next week, yeah, I I think, I think it'd concert, be great to have. Sorry, I think it'd be great to have the bucket game with, with something on the mind, um, more than just exactly. you know, the bucket. I think that'd be awesome. So, yeah, I'm and, and a good crowd again, or anything, Yeah, I'm not going to say blow her did. up or anything, but, uh, well, yeah, but I'm not going to mean it. I'll, I'll just say it. I won't mean it. How about that? <laughs> Sounds good. Um, next, we move on to
1: Troy at Wisconsin. Uh, Wisconsin got throttled by Alabama, came back and I think put a fifty nine to nothing hurting on on Miami of Ohio. Um so we'll see what they do. I'm gonna guess they're gonna run the ball against Troy. I that's what they do. Um so what what are your thoughts on uh on Wisconsin uh Troy? Uh
0: Wisconsin's gonna destroy it, Troy. Um no pun intended there the only interesting thing to me for this game, and I'll just look at the stats. I'm not gonna not gonna watch much of this one, but um, it's gonna be interesting to see whether or not Wisconsin does put an emphasis on running the ball. So far, and part of this is because they played Alabama, and because Corey Clements is injured. But so far, the Badgers have thrown the ball 53.2 percent of the time and run the ball only 46.8 percent of the time. They've got the fewest rushing yards in the conference. That's not a typo or or me misspeaking. They have the fewest rushing yards in the Big Ten. Um at some point I would expect that they just start grinding it out like they do all the time and get back to what we consider Wisconsin football, but right now they're letting uh, they're letting Jill Stave kinda air it out, at least by Wisconsin standards and, and it worked against Miami Ohio. Um I would expect when they have some tougher competition they rely on that running game but Right now, the passing game is ahead of the running game with that retooled offensive line. They had to replace a lot of guys, and obviously replacing Melvin Gordon uh, with Corey Clement, who has been hurt. So um, that's something to keep an eye on, is whether or not they're capable of just pounding it like they have in the past. We'll see. Yeah,
1: definitely. Um, Next, we'll we'll skip over Western Kentucky, Indiana, because we spent the first half hour talking about that. Uh, next, we go to the first conference game of the year. It's Rutgers at Penn State. Um, it's going to be a tough one for Rutgers. Uh, first time going to Happy Valley in a while. Um, so first conference game at Happy Valley uh, for them. So we'll see uh, how they rebound. They've It's been nothing but bad news out of Piscataway. Uh, their best receiver, uh, Leronte Carew, Looks like he's made the wrong decision about staying in college and uh, was suspended again. This is his second time this year being suspended uh, for slamming a woman onto concrete uh, during an altercation after the game. Uh, two, It was between two women uh, that crew knew. So we'll see. Another player got arrested yesterday in part of that home invasion ring. I think that's seven now. I've lost count, or I can't count that high, uh, either one. Uh, take your pick, Uh, but you know, and then on top of that, they lost a heartbreaker to a Washington State team who lost to Portland State and is is not really great and they lost that game at home, so um, you know, we'll see how much longer Kyle Flood is there, I have a feeling he won't be there when he's in Bloomington, when they come to Bloomington, Uh, I just don't see how he could survive this uh, before the year is out, maybe you know, they have people, I don't know who's running that athletic department, but clearly uh, they have zero control of it. And uh, But back on the field, uh, Penn State's defense is very, very good. Uh, their offense started clicking a little bit against Buffalo, so we'll see where this game goes.
0: Yeah, it's it's going to be a struggle for Rutgers uh, with all the off-the-field issues they have. Beyonce uh, Carew suspended indefinitely. We'll keep an eye on that if there's the IU game, or against IU in October uh, for that homecoming game. We will definitely put that on the site. It's uh, a huge part of what they do. Their passing attack has struggled. I, I really like their running backs. Uh, they've got a bunch of talented ones. Uh, they're going to have to lean on that, really just try to be a power running team that's just, just more physical than the opposition. And against Penn State, that is not going to be easy to do.
1: Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, we'll see what they do. It, it seems like a tire fire. Anyway, moving on to a less tire fire place. Uh we're going with uh Pitt at Iowa, eight o'clock on the BTN on uh Big Ten Network. Uh has uh, been surprisingly good. Uh you know, they knocked off uh Iowa State on the road last week. Uh, they had an impressive victory over Illinois State uh in week one. So maybe they're on a roll and, and they could take down Pitt uh, this year. Who, you know, whose head coach Pat Narduzzi is very familiar
0: with uh, Iowa's offense. Yeah, that's an interesting part of this game. Uh, what's you know Pat Narduzzi is familiar with, though, might not be the Iowa that we see. They have looked a little bit more up tempo, a little bit more creative on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, they do have some injury concerns. Mashun Daniels. Their best running back. Um, he is uh, going to be a game-time decision. And Drew Ott suffered an arm injury. was seen with the cast last week. Uh, he's listed as questionable. I, I read that they think it might have. The reporters think it might have been a dislocated elbow. Um, he's not going to be out long term, but he might be out against Pittsburgh, who uh, you know did hold Akron to uh, I think it was 110 yards. Yeah. Uh, Akron only had 110 yards against Pittsburgh, so Zarduzzi having a positive impact on that defense right away. Pittsburgh, without James Conner, one of the nation's best running backs, he's out for the year, just another of the high-profile guys that's been hurt so far. Um, if they had Conner, I think I might like Pittsburgh a little bit better in this game. Without him, I don't think that they have enough offensive firepower to generate any kind of uh, any kind of attack against the Hawkeyes, who have a pretty good defense with or without pot. So uh, I would think that Iowa would have to, to head up here since at home. But this should be a fun game. It's at night, and uh, it should be a good atmosphere
1: at Kinnick Stadium. Yeah, Kinnick Stadium at night. Uh, it would be cool to see if they go with the uh, yellow and black stripe out. Uh, that's always fun. Uh, TJ, yeah. uh, we're going to close the show. Thanks for thanks for joining me today. Uh, guys, thanks for listening uh, TJ, you do an awesome job. Uh, keep it up and, and we'll be back on, uh, on Monday with our wrap up show.
0: Absolutely. Have a good week and uh, enjoy the weekend of college football guys. Go Hoosiers.
1: All right. Bye.
0: And that'll do it for our episode
1: here. Uh, previewing IU, uh, Western Kentucky. The game is at 4 PM on ESPN news. Uh, you can watch it also online at WatchESPN watch e s p n or e s p n three dot com uh if you're not going to the game, watch it on t v We'll have you covered uh keep coming back to hoosierhuddle dot com uh for more coverage. have a great day and enjoy the rest of your week.